You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. for small groups, 10 a.m. for worship, or anytime at asburybosier.org. Now let us enter into proclamation of the word. <clears throat> we uh, conclude uh, our uh, Thankful Neighbor series today. Today is Christ the King Sunday. It's the last Sunday of the Christian calendar. Next Sunday is Advent 1. It's the first Sunday of the Christian year. Uh, and as typical on Christ the King Sunday, the text that is offered to us in the lectionary is, is, is a text of victory. It's a text of, of Jesus reigning. It is a text of making sure that when all is said and done, Jesus is in charge. And today's text does not disappoint. Our text today is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, beginning with the 31st verse. It will be on the screens, it will be online, and it's also in your Bible or your Bible app. Let us listen to the word of the Lord. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats to his left. And then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked, you gave me clothing. I was sick, you took care of me. I was in prison, you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it when we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And, and when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these, who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will to say, say to those on his left, You that are accursed, depart from me into, your, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you did not welcome me. Naked, you do not give me clothing. Sick and imprisoned, you did not visit me. And they will also answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or, or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A couple of weeks ago, Boudreaux and Thibodeau went to an LSU game. And uh, when they got into the stadium, Boudreaux started taking a sip he blew on it, drank it really slowly. And Tibeta said, what, what are you drinking? He goes, I'm drinking coffee. He goes, how, how is your coffee still hot? And he said, well, Tibeta, I have a thermos. And a thermos, it keeps your hot stuff hot. And it keeps your cold stuff cold. Tibeta said, oh, okay, I got it. Well, the next weekend, they went to another LSU game. <clears throat> and Boudreaux started guzzling down out of his thermos. 
And Thibodeau said, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you, why are you drinking coffee that fast? What are you doing? He goes, well, it's not coffee, it's iced tea. Because the thermos keeps your hot stuff hot and your cold stuff cold. Thibodeau said, oh, I, I see, I got it, I got it, I got it. Well, next week they went back to the LSU game and Thibodeau brought his thermos to this game. He took it out and he poured it and he drank some and, and Boudreaux said, hey, hey, what are you drinking? So he handed it to, to Boudreaux and Boudreaux took a sip. Because what is this? He said, well, chicken soup and ice cream. It's all uphill from here. You know, you know this pattern, right, though, right? The, 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 it's, it's straight up comedy, right? There's the setup, then there's point one, point two, and then bazinga point three. Yeah? Well, here in the story, the disciples asked Jesus, tell us about the end. When is the end coming? And Jesus says, uh, I don't know. Friends, how refreshing is this? That when the disciples say, Jesus, when is the end? Jesus says, you know, I don't know. Only God knows. And then he gave, but he goes, I know what it's going to be like, though. And he gave them a series of three parables. And the chicken soup and ice cream is our, our lesson today. This lesson of the great shepherd who separates the sheep from the goats. Where, where the Son of Man comes in glory, and, and he is there with all of the nations of the world. And those who are feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, caring for the sick and imprisoned, are ushered into great things. When we serve, we are counted as righteous, and we are ushered into a great reward. It is bringing hope, building faith, and reaching out with love. It is what we do. And I really, really like this parable because the righteous are not judged on their cleverness. They're not judged on their doctrine. They're not judged on what denomination they are a part of or their sinlessness. They're weighed and measured on account of how they serve their neighbor. Love it. And there's more to the story. If we only read this third parable in this series of three parables, we are only announcing to the world chicken soup and ice cream. You miss the fun of it all. So we have to zoom out. So let's zoom out. Let's broaden our horizon for a moment. You have to keep reading. If you've ever been in any of our Bible studies, you'll hear that often. Just keep reading. Just keep swimming. Just You have to keep reading. Don't take it out of context. If you take it out of context, you might be in a rough place. Keep, it's like Romans. <coughs> Excuse me. In, in, in Romans chapter 1, uh, Paul seems very angry, right? And he says, God gave them up to their passions. God gave them up. This is what it says. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind and to things that should not be done. They were filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, covetousness, Malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, craftiness. They're gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, haughty, boastful, <gasps> inventors of evil, rebellious toward parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. They know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. 
Yet they not only do them, but they applaud those who practice them. If we stop reading there, there's no room for grace, there's no room for redemption, there's no room for forgiveness. You screwed up and you're out. But then we get to Romans chapter 8, which was our affirmation today, where it says, Not, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not heights or depths or powers or principalities or, or things present or things to come. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. How do we get from point A to point B? You have to keep reading. Paul is building an argument. Don't stop at Romans 1. And so many do, and they preach that. Keep reading. Keep going. Keep reading. The gospel means good news, not news only for the good. The gospel means good news, not news only for the good. Friends, salvation means healing. Through the grace of God, we are healed. Have you ever recovered from the man flu? Have you ever been sick? And afterwards, you're feeling better. And like, oh my gosh, finally, I feel better. I have energy ready to go. You don't then go back into bed and eat chicken soup and ice cream and binge the crown, right? You're feeling better. You feel like a million bucks. You go out and you, you tell anyone with ears how you got well. I mean, can you imagine a world in which someone says, oh my gosh, you were sick and now you're well. What happened? Well, I don't want to tell you. It's a secret. Right? No, this is evangelism. We have been healed and we go out into the world. I once was lost and now I am found. And, and this is how I have been healed by a God in which nothing can separate me from God's love. But that's another sermon. In the chicken soup and ice cream of the three parables, the master separates the nations, all of them righteous and unrighteous. They were all Surprised. Those who were serving and feeding and nurturing, they were surprised. When did we see you in need? And you know what? Those who didn't, those who didn't serve, those who didn't feed, those who didn't clothe, they were surprised too. When did we see? If we knew it was you, oh my gosh, if we knew it was you, we would have tithed. If we knew it was you, I would have taken a shower, right? If, we, if I knew you were coming, Lord, I would have done my hair. All of them were surprised, righteous and unrighteous alike. And that is a clue that there's more happening in this story. So let's zoom out. The disciples asked Jesus, when will the end be? Jesus says, I don't know. Only God knows, but I know what it will be like. And he tells these three parables. The ten bridesmaids, the talents, the parable of the talents, and then the parable of the sheep and the goats. In this parable of the ten bridesmaids, you can read this at the beginning of chapter uh, 25 of Matthew, there are five wise bridesmaids and five foolish bridesmaids. The wise are the ones who had enough oil. The foolish are the ones who did not bring enough oil. Keep your lamps trimmed and burning, as the song tells us. And much like all of them, sheep and goats alike, were surprised. 
all of the bridesmaids fell asleep. All of them. The ones who were prepared and the ones who weren't all fell asleep. And then the bridegroom came. The ones who had oil were welcomed in. The ones who didn't went to Walmart to go get it and they missed the party. And it sounds like in the sermon, and you've heard this from me, it sounds like in the sermon, keep awake, be ready. If you're not, the doors will close. Be ready, be awake. That rolls into the second sermon or parable about the talents. A master was leaving and he entrusted his wealth uh, with his servants. To one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, and to another he gave one. And before the master comes back, the one who has five invested it and had ten. Revealed that to his master. The one who had two invested it, came back with four. He revealed that to his master. And the one who had one said, oh my gosh, my master is vengeful and he is angry and I know that he sows where he does, I know where he reaps where he does not sow. I don't want to risk the market. I'm going to bury it. And when he comes back, I'm going to give him right back what is his. And the master says, you foolish slave. And he kicks him out into the weeping and gnashing of teeth. So this parable, it sounds like, so in the first one, be ready, be prepared, keep awake. If you don't have enough oil, you're out. In the second parable, it sounds as if don't hide your talent. Invest your talent. Give more back to God. If you don't, if you're fearful, if you're hiding, you're out. And then we have this parable. The sheep and the goats. To the sheep, he goes, hey, you did a great job. You fed, you clothed, you visited. You're in. Come into the joy of your master. Well, to the goats, you didn't do none of that. You're out. There seems to be this common phrase between these three parties, these three parables, these three sermons. If we knew it was you, we would have done something. If we knew when you were coming, we would have had enough oil. If we knew how you would respond to our investment, we would have invested. If we knew what we were supposed to do, we would have done it. it. I really like these parables. And we typically like these parables. Because in the first one, I've got enough oil, baby. I am prepared. I am ready. Jesus, you can come back. We're square. I really like that second parable because I have invested my life in the church. I've been given five. I'm giving five right back. I'm good. I'm square. I love this third parable because it says you need to feed people. Check. We have a food pantry. You need to clothe people. Do it every week in a goodwill. You need to visit the sick. Done. I love these parables because I'm in. And we love preaching this. Look, look at how hard and how high the mark of, of discipleship is. And you know what? I've done all of those. I'm in. Feeling pretty good. And then you turn the page to Matthew chapter 26. And you keep reading. And Jesus says, after these three episodes after these three parables when Jesus has just said the son of man will come in glory and will judge the earth he goes oh and by the way the son of man will be handed over and crucified 
wait. <laughs> I, I thought you just said, like, you're, you're the bridegroom and you have this really cool party and you're kicking out all the riffraff. And, and I thought, like, you're the master has, like, all the talents and you give to those who can handle it and those who can't are out. And I, I thought, I, I, Jesus, I thought you just said that the Son of Man will be sitting on a throne in glory, dividing the nations on who is in and who is out. And now you're telling me that you're going to be handed over to be crucified. How does that fit in these parables? You know, those, those who were kicked out because they didn't have enough oil. Let's think about that for a second. How might Jesus want those with oil to respond? Sorry, you don't have enough oil. I'm going to go get an hors d'oeuvre and listen to the band. Maybe, maybe the point of this parable is to recognize I'm prepared. I now am in a position to help those who are not so that no one is shut out of this party. How might Jesus respond if you have 10 talents, your neighbor has four talents, and someone has one, they were afraid, so they hid? I mean, does Jesus want us to take our 10 talents and, and go on our way and allow our coworker to be kicked out out of fear? Perhaps not. Perhaps we are called to invest our 10 talents into the one who is afraid so that they don't miss the party either. Here's the clue. Right after Jesus announces that he will be crucified, or the Son of Man will be crucified, he finds himself at a dinner party at a leper's house. Of course he does. And a woman comes in, and she takes an expensive jar of ointment. She breaks it open, which means it can't be used again, and she anoints the head of Jesus. Oh, the disciples, they're ready. They're ready. They see this happening like, oh, man, I just heard Jesus say these three parables. <clears throat> Woman, you shouldn't waste your oil. We just heard a parable. Keep your oil and be ready. Um, you shouldn't waste your talents. Uh, you just wasted all of this oil. It should have been sold and given the money given to the poor. We've heard this, Jesus. Uh, we just heard that you should feed the hungry, clothe the naked, not anoint the Son of God with your expensive oil. How do we do, Jesus? How do we do? And Jesus says, shut up. Leave her alone. The poor will always be with you, meaning that we are always to be in service. Leave her alone. It sounds like, disciples, it sounds like you're really concerned about how she's using her oil. I don't see any of you bringing any. You seem very concerned about how someone else is using their gift. And you yourself have not. Did you sell your oil to the poor and give the money to the poor? You seem very concerned about someone else's righteousness instead of perhaps maybe what your role in this story should be. You seem very concerned with those who aren't measuring up to your preconceived notion. You seem very concerned with telling me that she is a wasteful goat. Instead of putting chicken soup and ice cream in different thermoses. 
the last few weeks we've been talking about what it means to be a thankful neighbor. It's one thing to be thankful for the things that benefit you, like having oil, having enough funds, to be a person of righteous acts. Friends, it is okay to be thankful that you have oil, that you have talents to invest, and that you are a person of righteous acts. It is okay to be thankful for these things. It's one thing to be thankful for those things that benefit you. It's a completely different thing to be thankful for things that don't benefit you. To be thankful to be in a position to give of your oil, to give of your talent, or to lead someone else in righteous acts with their enemy. To be thankful for which benefits you is good. To be thankful for that which benefits someone else is good news. To be thankful for what benefits you is good. To be thankful for what benefits someone else is good news. Both the sheep and the goats were surprised. And aren't we, when we turn the page and we keep reading, we are about to enter into a season of surprise with Advent. How is it that God offers us a vulnerability of being born to parents? I know what kind of parent I am. And the Lord of all trusted parents to raise the Messiah. To be born, not in a palace, but in a stable. To be uh, in Nazareth, a nowhere city like Bunky. If you're from Bunky, uh, uh, Mandeville, Mandeville. We're about to enter into a season of surprise. It is the characters that God uses is so unlikely. They don't fit the dossier of one who would be counted as a sheep. It is so unlikely because that, that, it's so unlikely that the name of our series is called An Unlikely Advent. And I pray that I see you next week so that we all might be filled with a holy surprise.